0: Hi, my name is Ashley. I'm a wife, mom to five kids, and I'm their teacher. We all live in Phoenix, Arizona. You are listening to the Ask Pastor John podcast with John Piper.
1: I want you to meet Ashley here in a moment, Uh, a ministry partner of ours, a precious ministry partner, and we want you to hear her story. Later in this episode. um, And this is a a massive episode for us. You can pop the confetti. We have arrived at episode number 2000 on the (laughs) Ask Pastor John podcast. Wow. And what a better way to celebrate than with a question about how to make our lives count. That's a major theme of your ministry, Pastor John, uh, not wasting our lives. And today's question is from a teenager named Peyton, parents and, and grandparents of teenagers. There's a heads up. This is one of those episodes you may want to pass along. To the teens in your life, here's the question. Pastor John, hello, my name is Peyton, and I'm 15 years old. I have listened to your sermons and to this podcast for the past year, and it has been truly very helpful in my Christian walk. As a 15-year-old, how can I make a difference in the world as a Christian? How can I make my life count? Okay, here are my 12 rules
2: for (laughs) 15-year-olds. (laughs) <laughs> Actually, 12 rules for teenagers. Most of them are applicable to girls as well if they just make a little slight uh, twist, but this is a boy, so I'm thinking that way for, for him. Number one, honor your father and mother. So these are ways to make your life count. Honor your father and mother. Never treat them with contempt or belittle them uh, behind their back or around your friends. That is a mark that is honoring them is a mark of maturity and it is pleasing to the Lord Ephesians 6:2 Number 2 ransack your bible every day and pray for its greatest impact in your life don't just read it devour it dig into the way into it the way a miser searches for gold and silver ask god Every time you open your Bible, ask Him, show me wonderful things here, great things, life changing things. Savor it the way you savor your favorite food. When you stop reading, meditate on it day and night. Take it with you. You will be like a tree planted by streams of water. You won't be like a leaf blown around by the wind. Proverbs 2, Psalm 1, Psalm 119. Number three. Don't focus on making good grades in school. Focus on really learning all you can and turning all of that learning into a man of character. The Bible clearly calls us to grow. In grace, in knowledge, 2 Peter 3.18, it never calls us to make good grades. Grades will take care of themselves if you really squeeze the most learning out of every course in high school, that you can. Number four, if you get to choose your school, high school or college, say, don't choose a school because of its popularity or its library or its sports teams or its size or its parties. Choose it because of the wisdom of its faculty. Choose teachers, not courses. Choose teachers, not schools. Proverbs 13:20 Whoever walks with the wise will become wise. Number 5. Save dating girls for the time when marriage is a real option. Put it off till then. The concept of dating as a kind of mere recreation in our western culture is not wise. Our attraction to the opposite sex Built in by God, it's a good thing, is designed by God to lead to the great and wonderful satisfaction of marriage. That's what it's for. Do things with other boys, other girls in groups, and save the one on one dating till you're ready to seriously consider marriage. I dated for the first time with a pounding heart when I was 20 years old, and I married her. We're still married and happy. 55 years later, it was a good choice. Number six, this one comes from my father. He said, be so busy doing that you don't have time to don't. Now, that was his response to the fact that the Bible does indeed say there are a lot of don't. There are a lot of things we should not do as teenagers or adults. Some because they're just outright wrong, but many just because they're not helpful. They're weights, not just sins. They, they're like wearing an overcoat when you run a marathon. That's not against the rules. It's just stupid they don't build our faith. These these things we know, they don't build our faith. They don't keep our minds pure. So his solution was not to harp on all the things that wise Christians don't do, but instead fill your life with so many good and helpful things. You don't have time for the questionable things. Be so busy doing that you don't have time to don't. Galatians 6.9, 2 Thessalonians 3.13, 1 Corinthians 15.58. Number seven, what your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. If you want your life to count, you can't be half-hearted. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing passionately. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the lord and not for men romans 12:11 do not be slothful in zeal our contemporary word for zeal is passion be fervent the, the literal translation is boiling be boiling in the spirit serve the lord so not lazy but zealous or passionate not lukewarm but fervent or boiling in the spirit be done with half-heartedness number 8 don't fret over gifts you don't have, but take the few you do have and put them in the hands of Christ, like the boy with the five loaves and two fish in his hands, he put them in the hands of Jesus. The hand should not say to the eye in the body, in your body, your hand shouldn't say to your eye, because I'm not an eye, I'm of no use to the body. That's First Corinthians 12, 21, adapted. I regard this as one of the most important lessons I ever learned. As I went through school, I saw more and more clearly what I was not good at. If I had focused on that, oh my goodness, hmm. so I could list, uh, there's a long list of things I'm not good at. I've never made any sports teams, for example, and I read so slow. And my memory is so poor. Oh, my goodness. On and on my weaknesses go. If I had focused on that, I think I would have accomplished nothing. But I saw two or three things I could do, and I could do them as well as others, maybe even better. And I said, Lord, help me not to waste energy on bemoaning what I can't do, and help me to do what I can do with all my might. Take it, use it, make it count. Number nine, don't be a people pleaser. Paul said in Galatians 1.10, am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Now, that's not as simple as you might think, because there are other texts they say we should try to please others <laughs> like romans 15:2 let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up so to please others to help them be stronger in faith is good it's not about you it's about trusting christ seeing christ knowing christ but to please others to pump up our ego or to avoid criticism of us or to escape suffering or hardship, that's not good. So be mature enough to know how not to offend others and then be utterly indifferent to other people's praise when your own ego or your own safety is at stake. Do what's right and let the chips fall where they will. Number 10, don't be defeated by failures. If you never fail at anything, you're not trying enough things. You haven't taken enough risks if you never fail. We all begin as failures, all of us. That's what sin is. It's a failure to honor God as we ought. We all begin as f And the punishment is hell. Mm. And Paul says in Romans 7, even after he's converted, he stumbles in many ways doing what he does not want to do. But here is the glory of the gospel of Christ, right? Our lives are built on the gospel. He covered our sins, He imputed righteousness to us that we don't natively have. Our acceptance with God is not earned. So we say with Paul in Philippians 3.13, forgetting what lies behind, and he had lots of things he needed to forget, and we all have failures. I mean, like every day we don't measure up to the way we would like to talk to people or treat people, and if we are crushed by those things, we'll never count. So don't look back like that. Forgetting what lies behind, he says, I press on toward the goal for the upward prize of God. Don't be defeated by past failures. Number 11, make no provision for the flesh. That's Romans 13, 14. Know the things and the times and the places that lure you to sin and avoid them. You will not be used by God for anything great if you live in compromise with sin. And one crucial way to fight sin is to head it off at the pass. Don't put yourself in any position where sin typically gets the upper hand. That may be sexual sin, or temptation to greed, or pride, or anger, or whatever your typical temptation is. And finally, number 12, don't live to stay alive. Live to make much of Christ. Acts 20, verse 24. I love this verse. Paul says, I do not count my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. The point of life is not to stay alive. It's to magnify the greatness of Jesus. Philippians one twenty. My eager expectation and hope is that Christ would be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Seek to do these 12 things, and I promise you, your life will count.
1: Mm. Thank you, Pastor John. Wonderful wisdom here. I'll be sharing this with my teenagers, as I'm sure many other listeners will be as well. And speaking of parents who make wise use of Desiring God resources, at the start of this episode, you heard from one woman uh, who is doing that very thing, Ashley. She lives in Phoenix and is with us right now. Ashley, thank you for spending a little time with us today on this episode. You're a busy wife and mom, and you're also a Desiring God ministry partner supporting us to to get us to this episode, to episode number 2000 today. This is a benchmark for us, one that I hope all of our ministry partners around the world will celebrate with us because there are thousands of people who make this podcast happen, like you, Ashley. So take a moment and tell us, why are you a, a donor with us?
0: Desiring God? is a team of people that are passionate about what they do and they bring a level of excellence combined with the gospel and they bring it to any, everybody moms businessmen teens pastors anybody and everybody that needs encouragement needs direction needs needs to hear from god and they bring it in a way that is easy to chew in multiple formats There's something for everybody there.
1: Well, that's our aspiration for sure, to serve a lot of different people like this episode today for teenagers. It's very encouraging, Ashley. Um, Tell us more about your own story. How did you get into Desiring God Resources?
0: I started listening to Desiring God. Well, I started listening to Piper's sermons when I was a young mom and seemed like I rarely was able to sit into a church service. Hmm. So I started turning on um, his sermons and would listen while I nursed. And then years later, I realized that as God gave me uh, more blessings, more children, I started to buy into the world's idea of the burden that they were. Mm. And I couldn't see past the cultural influence of, I saw the other moms when I was going into Trader Joe's, they were going to business lunches, all dressed up. And I was discontent and discouraged and overwhelmed with the daily mundane tasks. So it didn't matter what the day held, no matter how well anything went, it was never good enough. I didn't have any joy. Mm. And then I started, my my husband actually brought home some books that were from Desiring God and um, some little books. I think one of the Christmases, John Piper put out an Advent book and I just would get up every morning and gobble it up. And I, I realized I was looking, I was desperate for joy and I didn't have, I had every reason to be happy. I had plenty of things, a happy family, a happy marriage, but I just wasn't content. And I realized that I was looking for it in all the wrong places. Um, John Piper's books really pointed me towards happiness in God. And it was John Piper's Reformation Sunday sermon. And I, I'm like, oh, that's what Jesus did for me. Mm-hmm. I grew up a believer, but I didn't understand the impact why everybody was so crazy about Jesus. Like I didn't, I understood obeying the law. I, I rested on, the, on my own righteousness. Mm-hmm. And I finally saw that it's not me because I can't. And so that has freed me completely. That and the sovereignty of God, which I didn't have that theology growing up. And so with all of those kids, you can't control them or the outcome of their life or the, anything. You, It's a false reality. So that has made me a grace-filled mom, is giving me a different lease on life and has been completely life-changing. So I have desiring God thank for that. And because of that, yeah, I'm like, if somebody else has that opportunity, have that realization to experience, to truly understand the gospel, I absolutely want to give it to every young mom that I can. And the best way to do that, the fastest way is to help Zarin God do that because they can, they have such a further reach than I do. I, I would around my neighborhood and in my little spheres of influence, but um, I absolutely want every mom to experience that.
1: Yeah, amen. And by pooling our resources, we can reach the world and reach it together. So uh, speak to someone who's listening, and they're just now thinking of this, the the cost of ministry, the high cost of ministry, you know, making podcasts and sermons and articles and books, and then spreading those resources to moms and to dads and to singles and to teenagers all around the globe. It's It's not cheap. It's expensive. It costs a lot of money. So, what would you say to a listener who's maybe now just for the first time thinking, oh, yeah, I want to take this next step, join Ashley, and become a ministry partner with Desiring God? What would you tell them?
0: I would encourage them wholeheartedly to give to the work God is doing through Desiring God. Um, As they have freely been given, freely they can give. And I believe that they will be truly blessed by blessing somebody else. The team of Desiring God is some of the happiest, Hmm. most um, authentic, humble. I feel like when I am with the Desiring God team, I see Jesus in the flesh. And that is inspiring to me. So I am super grateful for what you guys do. I'm privileged to be a part of it.
1: Well, we're honored to have you as a ministry partner, Ashley. Thank you so much. You bet. You too can partner with us uh, in spreading our content. Pass it along. Maybe you know a teen in your life who needs to hear this episode. Share it with them, get it to them, and share all of our articles and books as well. It's part of what it means to be a partner of ours, to, to you help us spread our gospel-centered resources uh, to the people that you know. And there are many people in your life we will not reach with our resources if you don't share them. So please do that. And then, of course, You can support this podcast financially as well as we pool our influence together. Uh, If you are so led, consider giving a monthly gift of $30. To set it up, go to desiringgod.org forward slash donate. That's desiringgod.org forward slash donate. Really appreciate it. I'm Tony Ranke. We'll see you on Monday.